Welcome to Oppenheimer's Let's Talk Future podcast. In this format, we bring you timely and relevant conversations with thought leaders and industry experts. Join us as we explore new ways of thinking about the markets, investing, business, new technologies, and life in general. In this episode, our guest is John Stolfus, Managing Director and Chief Investment Strategist of Oppenheimer Asset Management. Your host is Peter Cataray, Managing Director and Head of Sales and Marketing for Oppenheimer Asset Management. This episode was recorded on September 16, 2020. If you enjoy this podcast, be sure to click on the subscribe button. Welcome to today's episode of Oppenheimer's Let's Talk Future podcast, featuring Oppenheimer's John Stolfus. In today's conversation, John and I will touch on three central topics. We'll discuss the recent bout of volatility in the global equity markets. We'll discuss the current flow of economic data and Fed activity. Finally, John and I will discuss the impact of the 2020 elections on the market. So thank you for joining me today, John. Thank you, Peter. Good to be with you. Uh, I know you've been in very high demand as a speaker, uh, as a guest on various news and investment outlets, and certainly you and your team have been publishing feverishly to provide our institutional and private clients significant amount of research and market insights. So thanks very much for finding the time for the conversation today. Oh, boy, I'm glad to be here. So let's jump right in and start by focusing our conversation around the recent gyrations in the equity market. Uh, I think toward the end of the summer and into early September, the global equity markets, including the U.S., experienced a a rather sudden and sharp bout of volatility. Uh, And despite the fact the scope of the drawdown was not outside of the normal range, it certainly reminded investors about volatility, reminded them about a few key questions about valuation and about the sort of breadth of the market recovery. So we appear to have stabilized, John. The market seems to have its legs under it. But what's your assessment of the market environment we've found ourselves in over the last few weeks? Uh, Peter, in our view, the sell-off that began on September 2nd and bottomed on September 8th was driven by a confluence of factors, including valuations, the stalemate in Washington, D.C., tied to a fourth tranche of economic rescue, and some, but not all, of economic data showing signs of weakness, uh, likely also uh, tied to a lack of confidence within the consumer space, tied to the political stalemate. Great, John, thank you. Let's dig in there a little bit and talk about one of the things you mentioned, valuations. Obviously, that's been a concern as we saw in March and April and certainly continues to be a concern. Talk for a minute about valuations and where we find ourselves. Uh, In our view, uh, Peter, the extreme valuations within tech were relatively contained among a few new technology companies and at least one more established name uh, in electric automobiles, wherein momentum rather than fundamentals had taken over in investors' pricing of the stocks. When the selling started, beta-driven investors sold the sector rather than the individual stocks in question, causing a more dramatic sell-off than if the selling had been solely in the individual names. The uh, recovery uh, that we have seen in the market suggests that an appreciation for diversification is beginning to take place with sectors outside of technology beginning to gain investors' attention. Uh, This is uh, a welcome occurrence and one likely to continue until the underlying strength of the tech sector supported by cyclical and secular trends in innovation, the ubiquitous nature of technology itself, and tech being a driver of business and consumers 
reasserts itself. Excellent. And certainly you've maintained a very bullish posture on the technology space for the last several years. Um, however, there, there really appears to be a perspective in the market that this recovery has gotten highly concentrated around a handful of big tech names. Um, how do you see the breadth of this recovery and how do you see the breadth of the market in general? Uh, Peter, we, we've seen the, the breadth of the recovery that we've seen since the sell-off uh, uh, seemed to cease. Uh, we have seen a, a broad array of uh, major indices uh, move higher that would suggest a, a broadening of interest among investors. Uh, if we look at uh, the market uh, from uh, September 8th, uh, through uh, yesterday's close, September 15th, we see the S&P 500 with a total return of 2.13%. The NASDAQ up 3.18%. Mid-caps up 2.07%. The Russell 2000 up 2.28%. And the industrials, uh, the industrial, the Dow Industrial 30 up 1.87%. While technology was still in the lead as of yesterday, today I think it, it has uh, come down a little bit off its high perch, and uh, but not dramatically so. But uh, we're just seeing that broadening of interest by investors, and we think it's a very positive thing. I guess one of the ways to describe that broadening of interest is a concept of sort of rotation of leadership, right, in the market. Yes. Take, take a look, John, at your, you know, three plus decades of experience and discuss what a normal rotation in the market looks like. And, and are we seeing it right now? Well, I, I think the, the first thing, the, the, the operative word is normal there, and we have to say what is normal. But uh, within, within uh, most market situations, essentially it is one, when one sector appears to become uh, somewhat overvalued, investors start seeking other sectors that have yet become, are yet trading at extended valuations. And we think that's beginning to happen. So, John, as we talk about the breadth of the market, obviously one of the questions is, are we in the midst of a rotation? You know, draw on your experience and, and your time in the market and explain to us, are we in the midst of a rotation? Is this a normal market rotation we're seeing now? Well, I, I think the operative question uh, or the operative word in your question is normal. And what is normal? Because we are in a very abnormal situation where a, a large part of the U.S. economy still uh, remains in limbo or in abeyance while we're dealing with this COVID situation. But that said, a rotation is generally seen when one sector uh, becomes obviously overvalued or valuations become somewhat stretched in one sector and the market feels comfortable looking at other sectors for opportunity that may not be valued so richly. And we're fortunate that at the current, in the current market, we are seeing uh, sectors that have been ignored, including materials and industrials, suddenly beginning to gain attention uh, from investors. And as a result of that, we're seeing rotation, some of the money coming out of technology, moving to industrials and into materials which are highly cyclical stocks and indicative of the likelihood of an economic recovery lying ahead. So from the category of famous last words, I guess, on Wall Street, is it different this time in terms of rotation? Given the highly liquid nature of the market and easy access to ETFs and, and the ability for people to move capital around, is a process that took months and quarters now days and hours? I'd say that that is the, the big difference, uh, Peter. It, it can take 
if not if not uh, if not uh, uh, days and hours, it uh, can uh, a few weeks uh, to make the rotation, or indeed perhaps a few days within a week, it could happen. And I think we're seeing it. I mean, it, it, what you saw from September eighth through the fifteenth, yesterday's close, uh, with uh, materials now the leading sector up four point eight six percent, technology the second up just three point. 3% in that period, and industrials up 3.09% in that period. As we are recording this podcast today, uh, it, technology is, is moving lower in the ranks of the top performing sectors intraday, which would suggest that the process of that rebalancing and rotation is continuing. So while we're discussing sectors and valuation, I want to touch on energy. And obviously, it's a very unique sector. It's been going through a very difficult period. As we look out over the next several quarters, John, how do you see the energy sector progressing? I think, uh, Peter, that the, the energy sector is, is likely to gain some investor favor uh, near term as we grow cl- closer to an economic recovery in the U.S. Uh, and as we move towards it, likely people will begin to realize, both individual investors as well as institutional investors, that most of the vehicles on the road are run by gasoline, diesel fuel, and uh, hybrids of, of, of both of those uh, uh, fuels. Uh, so what you've got to consider is where we are in terms of the, uh, the change of moving from traditional oil-based energy to alternative energy is still a relatively long way off from where we are in 2020. So I would think you've got a chance to see uh, energy come up off the doldrums uh, where it is still still held hostage. All right. So, John, let's shift gears uh, to more of the macro and discuss the economy for a few moments. You know, as we continue to move through the business cycle and through the economic cycle, there must be a core roster of, of economic data and factors that you focus on day to day. For example, we recently had a very lukewarm retail sales number slightly below estimates. What are the key factors you're looking at and how are they factoring into your research? Our attention span when it comes to uh, economic data that's crossing the transom is uh, on a on a day-to-day basis highly focused on that that would give us a read on where the consumer is as well as where business is. And what we are finding is while the consumer has become more cautious uh, right now, uh, while there is a state stalemate in D.C. related to the expected tranche of rescue to come from uh, from the uh, from the government, business uh, keeps rolling along quite nicely. Whether it has been durable goods orders, whether it has been uh, the ISM indices for services or for manufacturing, all of that is showing strength. So it would look up look like business is working in anticipating uh, an economic recovery ahead, while the consumer had spent initially was first out of the box to show what they wanted to do. They wanted to shop, they wanted to go to restaurants, they wanted to go to the bars, what have you. Uh, now the consumer is becoming slightly more cautious, and some of it may just have to do with a lot of people, uh, you know, now are discovering that they're not getting that $600 check, realizing what it does to their bank balance. On a similar topic, the, we happen to be recording this again during a period when the Fed is meeting and Chairman Powell will be making statements in the next few days. Interest rates remain, you know, historically low relative to any measure. 
What's your thinking on the Fed and their current positioning in the market? Peter, when it comes to the Federal Reserve, uh, we have there's very few surprises that they've delivered us since uh, a Fed chair uh, Powell pivoted in, in the fourth quarter of 2018, fortunately. Uh, since that time, the Fed has shown a remarkable sensitivity uh, both to factors of strength as well as weakness within the economy. And since the COVID-19 crisis, they have actually, in our view, have become uh, magnanimous supporters of the U.S. economy to the extent that uh, it, is, it is perceived that the Fed will likely not raise interest rates or at least has no intention of raising rates until 2023. I'm hoping they'll be positively surprised in a recovery so that perhaps in uh, late 2021, we might see a tightening coming on or at least uh, a slowing of the rescue extreme mag magnanimous nature of the monetary policy. Re related to that point, John, what about inflation? What about the other side of this discussion? There's quietly begun to be some some conversation among some of the well-respected investors on Wall Street about inflation on the horizon. The, the Fed has a public target of around 2% inflation. What are your thoughts there? When it comes to inflation, Peter, we would have to say we are looking for reflation, not worrisome reflation from all of this. As the economy picks up, prices are likely to firm in certain areas. Wages will rise to some extent. Our revenues and earnings will improve indications that things are going uh, higher. And there may be some feeling that this could get out of line. But the reality is with uh, of late, the 10-year yield being around six-tenths of a percent, there's a long way to go before money becomes tight again. At two or two and a half percent on a 10-year treasury yield, you're looking at nearly free money, perception of a borrower already. And so that means the capability to refinance should be pretty good at that point still. And we would expect that inflation, if we look at the traditional areas that cause inflation, one would be commodities. Today, unlike in the late 70s and early 80s, when commodity prices led into an inflationary situation that was very serious with uh, inflation in the U.S. at one point running as high as 19 percent before the Fed jumped in. Today, there is an abundance of commodities due to technological advances. Just consider just a few months ago, oil for a short period of time in March of this year, as I recall, traded at negative $37 a barrel. Right. And that was because at the end of a futures contract, those who had to accept delivery of it couldn't find a willing uh, storage facility to take their oil. And they were willing to pay through the nose to get that taken care of. That's not the case now. Since then, OPEC has uh, tightened production and so have U.S. producers and other countries around the world. The biggest risk with inflation that we see from a commodity perspective might come from some disruption in terms of distribution that could come from weather or perhaps a, a border military action, but we think it would be relatively short-lived. It wouldn't be a trending factor. Uh, we also it would expect that uh, the other factor towards inflation are, are wages. Today, because of algorithms in the offices and robotics on the factory floor, labor is very well aware 
that employers do not need the same number of people to deliver X volume of services or X number of products as they might have in another cycle. On top of that, for companies, uh, companies uh, cannot raise prices just because input costs go up uh, with impunity. They have to consider that there is much greater competition in all sectors around the world today. And even the greatest innovators have to watch their pricing on their product. So if if you've got commodities held in check, labor held in check, and you also have corporate uh, company pricing held in check, the likelihood is you have put inflation in check. You will have some inflation from currency if the dollar continues to move lower and we can keep buying imported goods, you're going to feel somewhat the inflation, but it will be offset by the increased competition of U.S. corporations doing business on a global basis. Could it be said, John, that a small dose of inflation might actually be healthy for the economy? I I think so. And the Fed realizes that with its 2% target and the statements that they have made of late, that they are likely to let inflation run hotter than 2% and still feel comfortable. So, John, many of our clients, both our institutional and our private clients, have expressed concerns about the upcoming election, obviously. Concerns about the volatility around the event, concerns about policy following either outcome, an incumbent with no need to worry about another election or a new president with an agenda that could include higher taxes and perhaps more regulation. We sit here about a month and a half away from the election. What is the market telling us about the election and how are you thinking about the volatility that might might follow this event? I do believe that the market has begun to show some sensitivity related to the outcome of, of the election, but I don't think it's as pronounced as, uh, as the sensitivity to valuation or the, the sensitivity to any kind of a rescue package coming from, uh, from Washington as of yet. I think as we get to the debates, it's likely to heat up somewhat. Volatility and nervousness within the market could become, if not more pronounced, at least a a greater felt by market participants on a day-to-day basis. When it comes to the election, I think the important thing to, to recall is predicting ahead what is going to happen depending upon which party gets in has usually not been particularly successful. I can't help but uh, recall that when President Obama was elected, there were people who were very worried that the markets would not do well. He was a Democrat. He had a list of social programs that he wanted to advance. The thought was, my gosh, we have gone from a Republican presidency now to a Democratic presidency. This will not be good. And at that time, we told investors, historically, a Democrat in the White House has not necessarily been a bad thing at all for the equity markets. Similarly, or, or ironically, when, when President Trump was elected, the, the thought was that uh, Trump was not going to be good for the markets initially. That has been proven wrong in the last nearly four years since the, the last election. And in addition to that, one of the, the thoughts was uh, bannered around the, uh, the markets for a while uh, had to do with the expectations of the Trump administration would be bad for technology and great for energy. Well, of course, we know what the news is on that. Technology has done terrific during the Trump administration, and energy has had a horrible run. <laughs> so within that, that space, we would say uh, history may not indeed repeat itself, but it often rhymes. And so we'll 
we'll bet that regardless on the outcome of the election, regardless of who's the victor, uh, so long as the economy remains in good stead, depending on where it, where that strength is sourced from, uh, will not matter as much as to the fact that the economy is good, which could likely be good for revenues and, and earnings. Uh, in terms of sectors, could it make a difference? Perhaps, but the secular trends seem to point to growthier sectors. So, John, as it relates to, you know, the market outcome and the election, let's talk a, a little bit about some specific sectors and how they may react. There's been a lot of discussion about how healthcare may react, particularly to a, a win for Joe Biden. Talk a little bit about the space and how you think it may react. Related to, to healthcare, uh, Peter, I think that the thing that everybody has to remember is is that uh, Democrat demographics have no allegiance to any particular party. It, and in this case, the demographic of an aging baby boomer will require more access to uh, medicines, to professional medical care, to hospitalizations, what have you. So I, I think the most important thing is that it, it be realized that no matter what one party might want to do for healthcare or against healthcare, politicians will be very careful because if their constituencies are not in good health after they have tweaked the healthcare system, they will feel it in the in the next uh, in, in the next election. Excellent, John. Well, I guess maybe a good place to conclude our, our conversation. I want to thank you for your time and just to really Pleasure. summarize a few of the key points that you talked about, John. One there really appears to be a broadening of the market, and I think the evidence is is supportive of that. Yes, Two, uh, although there's a bit of a mixed flow, there appears to be trending toward positive, broad economic data in the course segments that you're focused on. Mm -hmm. And last but not least, as it relates to the election, it's ultimately about fundamentals and That's really right. about the execution of the individual companies. Is that a fair way to summarize? Yes, I do believe that's absolute on target. Excellent. Well, John, I want to thank you for your time and, and I appreciate you joining us once again. And we'll go ahead and conclude today's episode here. 